Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And we really do count it a blessing to be able to be with you each day right here on Search the Scriptures. Open up God's Word and study a little bit further with you. We're thankful that you are there. We hear from many of our listeners on an ongoing basis. Many have asked for the free Bible study that we offer. And we'll tell you how to contact us and ask for that at the end of the program today, as we always do. So please do have a pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. You can jot down that information. We also hear from many who talk about how they listen to the program all the time. They appreciate the scriptures being taught. And, you know, the impression I get from from talking to many people who have experienced... so many denominational, you know, churches that they just don't get much Bible. I've talked to people many times and asked them after they had studied with us uh, through the churches of Christ and learned the scriptures, do you think you did the right thing? And they would say repeatedly statements like, yes, I've learned more Bible in the last month or since I've been here than I learned in 20 years where I was, or in a number of years, in some cases, perhaps. Well, you know, the scriptures are there to guide us in God's will. And what I've just said is not bragging. It's simply stating that we need to get into God's word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And when churches mess around and piddle around, telling all kinds of stories, and doing everything but teaching the scriptures, they're doing a disservice to those they're trying to teach, because they're not teaching them God's word, which is central to their getting to heaven. Here in Search the Scriptures, we dig deep into God's word. We look at it in detail, and we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. Our mission is to glorify God by teaching his word accurately and effectively, even powerfully, and in that way helping people come to him through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. We encourage you, have that pencil or pen, piece of paper ready, ask for that free Bible study, that we'll offer you at the end of the program. And also, if you want a copy of today's program on CD, we'll send that to you. And all of that is free, and we'll take care of the postage. Now, we're going to get back into our study on God's grace. And we've talked about how it is difficult to really effectively define in words God's grace. It's really easier to describe it than to define it. And so we've talked about how God created man in God's own image, how he loved man and gave him the opportunity to live forever, literally on this earth in the garden. Paradise on earth, I think we can understand it. The tree of life was there, and as long as man would continue to eat of the fruit of that tree, he would live forever. But when man sinned by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
which God had warned him, Do not eat of that, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. When man sinned, when man disobeyed God, he entered into sin, and God removed him from the garden and access to the tree of life in that garden. So physical death became a reality instantly. Man was going to die. His physical body was going to decay, wear away. But spiritual death had already taken place because sin separates us from God. And that's spiritual death. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. And so man was either in a hopeless predicament of being lost in sin with no hope for forgiveness or escape in and of himself because how can a sinner forgive a sinner but God by his grace already had the way in mind the plan of salvation of forgiveness of reconciliation already in place in his mind through which man could be redeemed and that would be by sending his son into this world in human form and dying on that cross is the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, the sins of all mankind for all time. Jesus paid the price through his death on the cross. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid that price of death through his physical body on that cross. How blessed we are that God loves us so much. How blessed we are that God has so much grace in his heart that he wants us to be forgiven, to be saved, to live with him eternally in heaven. But now the point that we've been trying to make is not just that God has such grace, but that he expects us to respond to his offer of grace. Now many people, they just stop with grace and faith. That's it. They don't want to go any farther. They want to say that's all there is. But they don't really believe that. Because when you begin to ask them, well, do you think if I want to be saved by God's grace, I need to repent of my sins? Well, they would say, well, sure, sure, you need to repent. Oh, oh, so now you say there is something I'm supposed to do. Do you think I need to believe in God as God and in Jesus as God's son and my Lord and Savior? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you need to believe in, believe that, you know. Well, that's active response on my part. Now, what about obedience? Do I need to live by the teachings of God and Christ communicated to me in Scripture? Well, well sure, you need, to, you need to obey those teachings. Okay, so you've, you've just listed out three basic directions of response on my part that is necessary for me to be saved by God's grace. Now, I cannot save myself. Salvation is totally by God's grace. He saves me, but he expects response, very specific responses on my part. I must believe in him, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. I must believe in Jesus, 
John 8 and verse, 20, and, and verse 24. I must repent of my sins. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. And Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. I must be baptized into Christ, obey the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8. And also, the second thing that Peter told those Jews who asked him on Pentecost, what shall we do? They were wanting to know what active response they needed to take in response to the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ, Peter had been preaching to them. Now the first thing he said was repent. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And then immediately he said, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. There's obedience. Being baptized so that our sins could be forgiven through the blood Jesus shed on the cross. And again, when Jesus sent the apostles into the world to preach the gospel message, the Great Commission, he told them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. There's obedience on our part. But you know, there's further obedience that God expects. Because Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful. Now that's active, active, dem demonstrated, and visible faithfulness until death, he said. In other words, for the rest of your life, and I will give you the crown of life. So he's talking about a Christian lifestyle there of active, faithful obedience on an ongoing basis and then he'll give us the crown of life. Remember that Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and verse 22, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And the Hebrews writer already stating that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered, then said in the next verse, and having been made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. God expects us to respond to his offer of grace in an active way. We must actively believe. We must actively repent, turn away from our sins, because the wages of sin is death. And we must be obedient, surrendering to our Lord in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Now, the truth is, all that pertains to and relates to our salvation is a product of God's grace. Let's not become so narrow that we kind of just narrow our way out and eliminate so much of what is really there for us, to guide us, to encourage us, to teach us. 
that God has provided by his grace. James wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The magnificent wonders of creation attest to us. They shout loud and clear the existence of God, the very reality of God. And Paul talks about that in some detail in the second half of Romans chapter 1. The word of God is given to us by his grace to guide us in the life, in the response that will assure us of our salvation by God's grace. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul said, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God's grace And it is through that word that we understand how we can come to salvation through Jesus Christ. When Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, he said he was reminding him that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So by God's grace, he gave us his word to guide us to salvation. Remember that gospel message and that Paul said that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But you see, we have to learn what that gospel message is, and God gave us his word to guide us in that very instruction. And so Paul reminded Timothy, from your youth you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. In the next verse, in verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, it is God's very word and it is profitable for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for chastising us when we need to be chastised, for correcting us when we're going astray, when we're not understanding correctly, and for instruction in righteousness to guide us in a godly life, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. No wonder Jesus said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He expects us to follow through. The Apostle John wrote in 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in or live in, live by the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, does not have God. But he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So we must live by those teachings on an ongoing basis, daily, every day, throughout our lives. God expects that of us. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 8, 
we read that God had a plan for the church. And that plan, in part, was to spread the gospel throughout all the world. Beginning in verse 8, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul wrote, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, the grace was given to Paul to preach the gospel of Christ to unbelievers everywhere and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known or taught by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the plan for man's redemption from sin and thereby condemnation, oh, that was in God's mind before he ever created man. Because even though he knew that he would create man in his own image, he knew that man was going to sin and that he would need redemption, forgiveness, salvation. God already had the plan in mind. And the church is part of God's grace. There Paul said in Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 11, that God's plan is for the church to spread the gospel message throughout the world. All part of God's plan of salvation for mankind by his grace. We look at Romans chapter 6. Beginning with verse 1, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Again, I've emphasized, God did not send Jesus into this world to save us in our sins. That's the way a lot of people want it to be. They want to continue to live sinful lifestyles and be okay with God, still be saved. God sent Jesus into this world to save us from our sins. And that's why he said, except you repent, you, must all like, you will all likewise perish. When Paul asked that question in Romans 6 and verse 1, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, apparently there were some people at that time with a mindset that, hey, what if we continue in sin? God's grace is greater than sin. And the more we sin, the more God's grace is going to be extended. Paul said, no, 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 no. What a presumptuous and careless and foolhardy thought that is. Now, I'm reading in between the lines. Because in the very next verse, Paul says, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And that was the, wasn't the only time he asked that question in that particular text of Scripture. 
in the 15th verse of Romans chapter 6. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Well, he answered it again this exact same way. Certainly not. You see, if you're living in a sinful situation, you cannot continue to live in that sinful situation and expect God to extend his grace to you and save you. Because again, the wages of sin is death. You can't just flippantly and frivolously expect God's grace to continue to forgive when you're not ready to do what God expects you to do in response to his offer of grace and your salvation thereby. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to turn from those sins. You've got to stop living that sinful lifestyle. And of course, that is precipitated by your faith in God and in Christ. And then you must obey him, live by his teachings. Your sins are washed away as you're baptized into Christ. When the Lord himself sent Ananias to teach Saul of Tarsus, Ananias came to him and said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the, name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse 16. And then you begin that new life in Christ, a changed life. As the Apostle Paul put it, you're made new. As Jesus put it to Nicodemus, you've been born again. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. You see, you can't stay the way you were. You've got to be born again. You've got to be made new in Christ. You've got to be forgiven. You've got to live that faithful life, obedient life, consistently on an ongoing basis. God is the one who saves. You can't save yourself, but you can't expect to come to him in your sin. You can't expect to come to him in some other way than what he has prescribed in his word and call upon his grace and expect him to save you. You must come to him his way. And then you can enjoy and expect and be confident in your salvation by the grace of God. We'll look at God's grace from another aspect next time. Let us pray together. Father, help us to understand more and more fully your grace and your teachings that you have given us by your grace to guide us in the life you want us to live on this earth. And we pray that you will help us to communicate and exemplify those teachings, that way of life, to people all around us and throughout the world. People need to come to you 
for forgiveness and salvation by your grace through Jesus Christ. Help them to open their hearts and do so. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>